But today we come to the end of the story. John, we've been in since January of 2022. And without a doubt, John, the Gospel of John, has jumped to the top of my biblical favorite list. For years, I thought Philippians was my favorite book in the Bible. But after preaching through the book of John, um, how John shares these firsthand accounts of Jesus who was born as God incarnate, who would come that we might have life. And if you remember, that's the theme that's on there. That's John 20, 31 that we read weeks ago. John writes, these things have been written that you may believe and that you might have life everlasting. So like a great preacher, John has told story after story, personal encounters with Jesus, behind-the-scenes struggles, his ministry, his miracles, his rejection, his suffering, his death, and his resurrection. And with a crimson thread, he has sewn all these together, pulling them to tell us about who Jesus is, the story of Jesus. It's been said that a scarlet thread runs throughout the Bible. Cut the Bible at any place and it bleeds Jesus. Great preachers for years have tried to tell story upon story and tie it together with a crimson thread. And that has been my attempt over these years, to tell the story of Jesus. And that's our title this morning, Tell the Story. Look with me, please, at these last two precious verses of John the 21st chapter, almost a restatement of John 20, verses 30 and 31, but here we are at verse 24, chapter 21. This is the disciple who testifies to these things. Finally, the author, the disciple whom Jesus loved, this apostle John is identifying and basically saying, I am the one who can testify that all this is true, who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. There's lots of theological debate. Why does he use the plural pronoun instead of singular? Could it be he was standing with others to proclaim that Jesus and all these things have been true? I, I think it's, a, I often would say we as a church, I'm the singular one testifying, but we stand together to say these things are true. And verse 25, Jesus did many other things as well. <clears throat> My voice is still changing. Maybe I'll get taller. <laughs> Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Would you pray with me? Our Father, as we close out this precious book, bearing the name of the apostle who wrote it, John. It is a gospel of love. It is a gospel that explains to us so much that this world needs to hear. That you sent your son, that he would be rejected by his own people. That he would love people right where they were. And he would change lives that even though they didn't want him and they would crucify him and he would die, the grave could not contain him. 
And Lord, that through faith in him, we might have life everlasting. I thank you for all of your holy words, all of these scriptures that we have contained in these books we call the Bible. But thank you especially today for the chance we've had to study the Gospel of John. Speak to us one last time, O Father. Through these stories, help us to tell the story, his story and our story. For when we tell his story, and if he's in our life, we tell our story as well. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you remember, the Gospel of John does not start like the other Gospels. It has no manger scene. It's very lofty Greek. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He goes on to say that nothing came into existence except through the Word. He is giving the magnitude, the majesty, the preeminence of who Jesus was and that he created all things. And now he says, he talks about John coming, one who would proclaim the true light, the light of the world, and that through faith in him there might be life everlasting. We get introduced to this wild man, John the Baptist, different John than John the writer. We get introduced to those first disciples who are called, some fishermen, some men who are like, what good can come out of, you know these stories, you know, almost rejected by the very men he would call, kind of looking down their noses at him. He goes immediately from calling them to alienating the temple worship of the day. He goes and casts the money changers and guys who were selling indulgencies, if you will, from the temple. He said, this is not my father's business. This business of church that you're doing is not my father's business in this church. And then if you'll recall, because I'm going back, you know, this is two years, so some of you have joined in the past year. You didn't hear these sermons, so I could just preach the same sermon. You guys remember? It's not that way. I want to highlight three people because I used in that series, I said there were three interviews that Jesus has with three different people. And each how they connect with Jesus. The first one, as we tell his story, get that one over there, there you go, is Nicodemus. And if you remember that sermon, I called it Nick at Night. Nicodemus shows up wherever Jesus is at the time and introduces himself and basically says, you know, tell me more. We, I obviously know you're, you're a great teacher. In fact, the very fact that he calls him rabbi, this is the third chapter of John, is quite the statement. I listened, believe it or not, I went back on the internet and listened to one of my sermons from this. And I said, it's like going, a PhD professor going to a person who never graduated even kindergarten and calling that person doctor. He goes to Jesus and says, rabbi. Nicodemus, his very name means conqueror of the people. In other words, victorious. And, and I, I said, you can not only call him Nick at night, just call him winner, because that's what he was. He was a winner, one of the wealthiest men in the land, one of the most powerful men in the land. He was one of the 70 of the Sanhedrin. He is a guy who's got it all. But yet the reason he went that night to see Jesus, he was missing something. And Jesus explains to him, and this whole little interaction they have, you know, you better than anybody know the scriptures. Don't you know that there's a prophecy about one who would come? And he tells him, you must be born again. 
And from that, that night, we really don't know that he left changed. We know he left scratching his head. You'll see him later in John 19 with 75 pounds of spices to anoint the body of the crucified Savior, Jesus. He used some of his wealth to anoint his rabbi's body. We still don't know any more about him. There's nothing left in those final chapters that would say he ever truly believed. But I would like to think that once he heard that the tomb was open and people had had interactions with Jesus over the next 40 days, he must have believed that this man who said you must be born again knew what he was talking about. He was looking for answers. He was looking for something he missed. And the second person we came in these three interviews that he has after that in the fourth chapter is a woman who is by the well. Church history calls her Photina for the illuminated one, the one who means light. She was going, I think, to the well that day not only to get water, that's the obvious, but she was going to find some peace. She's been a woman who's been married multiple times. She's a Samaritan. She is, if you will, a social outcast in so many ways. And there Jesus tells her about the living water. She gets so excited, she goes back and tells her community about this Jesus. And they come out, and if you read the latter part of chapter 4, in fact, this is the longest conversation that Jesus has with anybody in the Gospel of John, with a woman at the well, a woman that culturally, religiously, he would not normally have been engaged in conversation with. But she goes, brings her village people back, and if you read the passage there in John 4, they hear him and they say, no longer do we believe because she told us, we believe who he is because we have heard from him. She would go on, church history, tradition tells us that she actually got to share the gospel with Nero, the emperor of Rome at the time, and she would later be martyred herself, but she believed. And the third person in the next chapter is a royal official, and because at the time I was giving everybody names, I called him Basil, because in Greek his name is Basilicus. It's like where you get the, the word in what a basilica is. It's often in many large churches or even government buildings. But he, his name means connected to the king. So can you see how really smart God is? I mean, my feeble mind, he tells us about a victorious guy. That's Nicodemus. He tells us about a lady who's known for the light. And now he tells us about a guy who's connected to the king. And through all these stories, we can bear those same names. We are connected to the king. We have the light of the world. And we are victorious like our Savior was victorious over the grave. Remember, I'll tell you the rest of the story on Basil. Basil is a guy that... Uh, his boy is sick to the point of death, and he encounters Jesus and said, come on, you've got to go back with me to Capernaum. He's, he's about to die, and Jesus is like, you guys just want miracle after miracle. You know, Jesus, you don't understand, my boy's going to die, and Jesus tells him, okay, he's healed, you can go. And on his way back to check on his boy, the villagers or the people that have been around him come and tell him, hey, your boy's okay, he's going he's to be all right. 
and he inquires on the time, and he finds out it's about the exactly same time that Jesus told him he would be healed. And from that, we read in the Gospel of John that he believed in his household. There are so many other stories that we could tell from this Gospel of John. We could talk about the wild card, Judas. And as I told you many times, I can identify some way and somehow with almost every character. Here's Judas, a guy who ate with, slept with, walked with, listened, saw the miracles, was a part of the whole ministry of Jesus for three years, and yet he would betray him. How are we similar at times? We've seen the powerful hand of God. We've experienced and tasted the goodness of Jesus, and yet at times we betray him. Maybe we could talk about that three amigos, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, three close buddies, and each one is a sermon in and of itself. You could perhaps do a sermon study or a word study on each disciple. Do a deep dive on Mary Magdalene. She's the one, the first missionary, Southern Baptist, was a woman. I am a Southern Baptist, and I'm frustrated right now with our convention in many ways. No, I'll stay a Southern Baptist even after I retire. My dad always say, go with the girl that you took to the dance, go home with her, you know, take her home. So that's, that's who brought me here, and that's where I'll be. But because I am one, I can say things I disagree with. I think if you think about it, his story quickly becomes our story by how we are connected to Jesus. So now's when you need your Kleenexes. Rather than giving a testimony morning, because I could each say, you know, what has Jesus done in your life? What is your testimony? What is your witness today? I, um, in my video mind, you know I love videos. These are not YouTube videos. These are three actual videos of church members, all with different backgrounds, but each with, each with a story that tells the story of our church. Let me set the first one up for you, Mr. Norris Henley. Mr. Norris Henley, yes, our fellowship hall is named after him, but he did a lot more than help build that building. Firefighter, tax assessor for pro property guy, uh, I call, it, call him a real estate guru, uh, humorous, you know, storyteller. And the guy who came in every Sunday morning to give me my sermon pre-brief, often telling me about the TV preacher he had just watched before he came to church, getting my mind on a totally different subject than what I was planning on, and scratching my head going, why is he telling me that now? You knew him by the pennies that he gave out, the cross in my pocket. And it was so funny for a guy that was so penny conscious would be giving pennies away. Here he is. Oh, we would go on. We'd go to Baptist associational meetings. We went to church planning meetings. He was an advocate for missions, advocate for church planning. He wanted to do evangelism. Here he is, he's already using a wheelchair by now, but this is at the beginning of our Route 66, our senior adult lunches that we were doing, and me trying to do an interview with him, so I'm trying to pull out some things. It's allowed a minute clip. Go ahead and play that. Hi, Norris. Tell us a little bit about Route 66. Well, Route 66 is something that I'm enjoying every Thursday that they have it, and uh, I'm not going to get tired of it. 
So is it uh, for anybody or? Well, at this point, it's for everybody. Very good. And do they eat there or, or what? Well, it depends on what you call eat. <laughs> snack or, or gorge. And I'm in the snacking age. Okay. And, so, and is there a little bit of devotion, maybe some prayer time too? Well, uh, we start that off. Okay. And so, and then we close the meeting with that. So, Very yes, good. there's some prayer. So, would you uh, encourage folks to go? I would. All right, thank you. Amen. And there's so much more you could say about him. But uh, knowing we have lots of things to do today. The second person, and I think there's a picture of her and her daughter. That is Vanjie Morales. She joined the church early on in my time here. She came, I remember walking down the aisle. This is when we were still, and we still receive people. If you want to walk down the aisle and join the church, that's fine. Uh, but often people will join now through our church membership class. But she came walking down the aisle. Uh, she was recovering from a bout with cancer, and she had a scarf covering her head because her hair was, you know, just now barely coming back. And there you can see it's obviously regrown so well. Um, this is at her brother's property, which is really right across the street from where I live. And he has a, I think they call it the Eagle's Nest, it's a fantastic view of the valley around us there. But uh, the story I'd love to tell on, on Vanjie, she got so involved. She loved this church. Uh, when we did, and we still do, the Thursday morning coffees, we were doing them at uh, Bill Miller's. She would often bring a different friend every time she came to introduce them to our church. She would bring different people on Sunday night when we had Sunday night worship and on Sunday morning to introduce them to our church. And when I first came, one of my ways of trying to get to know you, I hosted pizza with the pastor at my house. And like every Friday night during that one summer, we had pizza with the pastor at my house. And my kids will joke when they come now for dinner, is it pizza with the pastor? No, it's just pizza with dad, you know, whatever. But um, I found out, in fact, that first time that she came, uh, we jokingly called it like the Spanish table because she went to the breakfast nook of our house. And I think Saul and Anna were there. I'm not sure. I'm looking for Sandra Castaneda. I think you guys were there. I think Mike Garcia was there, but everybody's speaking Spanish, so I don't know what they're saying, you know, and they're talking about familia, and I think I got introduced to the fact that she said, we're family here, and what a family it is, and we had a great night, and then the next Friday night, we're getting ready for another one, you know, we can only hold like 30 or 25 or 30 at my house, and the parking is the biggest problem, because you get up the top of the hill, you can't turn around and come back down, but uh, I get this phone call, and Vanjie says, well, are you coming to get me? I said, what? She goes, you know, I live right around. I said, yeah, I know where you live because I've been to your house. She goes, where are you coming to get me? And she said, in this pizza with the pastor. And I said, well, yeah, but different group. I'm trying to get to know everybody. So Brenda went to get her, and she decided that that's where she should be every Friday night if we had pizza with the pastor, <laughs> teaching them about familia. So this is a video that she played or that I made because she wanted Brenda and I to have this view of uh, – I think his name is Raul, his uh, property. So play this little video. You may not have much sound at all. It's just a wonderful view there. 
And as it plays, I'll tell you this. She invited Brenda and I to go back to her house um, after this uh, little spiritual thing, uh, seeing that, and she told Brenda and I that cancer had come back. And she would go from that vivacious woman full of joy and love, and I know Dan visited her as well, but I think I visited her about a week before she passed, and she had me set on her bed, which is like forbidden in Chaplaincy 101. You never sat on the bed of a patient, but she was insistent, sat on the bed beside me. And she lifted her mask from her face, and she said, God is so good. And I'll tell you what, if you can say God is so good as you are dying from cancer, you truly believe it. And what a testimony her story, our story, becomes his story. Finally, Bruce Wilkes. You may or may not remember Bruce Wilkes. Uh, Bruce, I don't know how, six plus feet tall. I, mean, I almost say six four. You know, I'm, I used to think I'm six foot, and then Mark tells me he's six foot. Mark, you've got to be at least six three. I don't know. Or I'm down about five nine these days. But anyway, uh, Bruce and I, really, the first time we did a lot of interchange, we were on the basketball court standing in the back of my pickup truck trying to put a new. Uh, backboard on one of the golds, and Bruce could reach the bolts just standing. I got, a, you know, I'm a typical Air Force guy, full of safety. I've got a ladder on the back of the, you know, and getting ready to stand on the top rung to get to it. But he's like, yeah, I got it. So we did that, and we came back in here, and we were touching up paint. And you know, here's this uh, giant of a man laying down, painting the baseboard. And uh, I thought, how humble! Wow, how humble! This guy, he could reach the top ones. He'd get down on the ground, paint. And then we talked about his motorcycle. I used to ride a motorcycle. He would ride that in any weather. He said one time he'd, it rained so hard as he rode to USA, he had to buy new socks. I guess USA has some sort of like little commissary slash store. He had to buy socks because otherwise he said, I squeaked all day long because of my wet shoes. And, you know, uh, but the video I'm about to show you is um, during the period of COVID, when we were like, ah, we don't meet, you know, we're online only. Okay, we'll meet, and we'll meet every other pew, and oh, then we'll do two services so we can spread them out, and of course, nobody knew whether they'd come or not. Then COVID would rise again, and you're like, ah, okay, we won't come. So we're approaching Advent season, and I asked, because I didn't know how many people were here, I said, if you will light an Advent wreath at home, do a video recording of you lighting that candle, and we'll play it during the service because they are aired online, and, and others can see what your family tradition is, what you might read, how you might light it. And Bruce is already in the hospital, struggling to breathe, hoping for a lung transplant. The COVID was, he kept testing positive for COVID, even though he really didn't have the symptoms. But he was in Houston. He sends his brother out without Ginger, his wife, knowing, telling him to buy a battery-powered candle so he could do this. We light these candles as a sign of our joy and the beautiful themes of the season. Not just the themes that glitter and flash, but the deeper themes, the beauty of the heart and the soul, the beauty of love shared in service, and hospitality. We light this candle of joy because company is coming. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. 
Bruce was the only one who sent the video that year. Those are our stories. Just as John said, there are so many more books that could be written that the world could not contain them about Jesus. You are walking testimonies of his story. We are part of our story, part of the great story of who Jesus is. When we share the connections we have had with Jesus, when we needed peace, when we needed answers, when we needed healing, we can share those and the kingdom will grow. Those are his stories. Those are our stories. And as the praise team comes to sing, we'll close out with an invitation, singing the old hymn, I love to tell the story. How about you? Pray with me, please. Our Father, as we come now to a time of invitation, if there's someone here, Lord, who's never accepted the love of Jesus into their heart, they've never been forgiven of their sins, they've never professed Christ as Lord and Savior, let this be the day. Start telling their story, your story, as they proclaim the good news of Jesus. Perhaps there's someone who just wants to come to these steps and stand or kneel. We have prayer warriors that will join them as they pray, whatever the need is. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would move now and move in a mighty way, for we ask it in Jesus' name.